Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bleachers. My name is Samantha. Jocelyn, how we doing this week? Doing good. It was a lot of things happening this week. You know, after the cuff of our uh, bonus episode, which I'm really excited and happy that we did. It was really good. It was really, really cool. So, um... Also, I do want to say, I do want to point out, especially to our other sophisticated spectators, that I really believe that maybe Becky or maybe part of the staff listened to our recommendations on our bonus episode because a lot of what we said happened in that, that game on Thursday night. And what happened, Sam? We beat the motherfucking Liberty, thank the Lord, by like 13 points. You know, it wasn't a big blowout, which I really wanted to happen, but like, you know, just for vindication, but you know, whatever, I'll take the third team, whatever. It was and much needed. I just want to say like, though, yeah, I still have to say, Becky, you listened, Becky staff, you know, y'all listen. Thank you for listening to us. Also, are we freaking coaches? Okay, that's it. <laughs> Before we get into the highlight, I had to highlight that, that we know what we're talking about over here. Sam and I are true, sophisticated spectators, and we know what to give to the people. Thank you. We had a little telepathic energy going on over here because we <laughs> were trying to send those messages and those vibes over to Becky. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know what I was going to do if the Aces ended up losing again. Girl, I was going to throw something. I was, I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, I was, I was, was, I was stressed out the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. I was stressed, but I stuck with them, you know. They're like, you know, like that little meme about like, that's your man and I'm going to stick it beside him with Dr. Phil. Well, that that's my team and I'm sticking <laughs> beside him, okay. Through thick and through thin. But I will tell the truth because they're also in my highlight. So, you know, we'll get to that. But I just have to say what I had to say. We're the best. Thank you. <laughs> well, somebody, I guess a, a, another uh, real Aces fanatic was willing to do, I guess, whatever it took for the Aces to win because somebody stole Sabrina's shoes. <laughs> and Sabrina went on Twitter <laughs> asking for her shoes back. I don't know if some... Vegas fan was just like, I don't know, maybe I should steal Sabrina's lucky shoes and maybe the Liberty will lose. I don't know, by any means necessary. (laughs) (laughs) By all means and any means. So somebody went and stole Sabrina's shoes and she went on Twitter, not asking for the shoes back, (laughs) but asking for her insoles back. And I think that that made it even more like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Because she went on to say that uh, her insoles are like custom insoles that she wears in in the shoes that, you know, she plays in. Mm -hmm. And they were specially fitted because she's had like ankle injury before. And so they're specially made to help prevent, you know, future injury to her ankles. Mm -hmm. And so she was real upset, which I mean, I would be upset too, because... (laughs) I had to get custom insoles uh, back when I had my foot surgery last year mm-hmm. and mine cost $500. Yeah. They're not cheap. And yeah. And they're not, you know, they're no Sabrina Unescu uh, <laughs> insoles. I'm not out here trying to play in the WNBA, but I mean, <laughs> when you think about how much it costs to make something custom, mm. 
And then something that, you know, is also built aerodynamically to yeah. prevent injury. Like we think of all of the things that we buy on a, just in our regular lives to prevent injury. And we mm -hmm. think of how much healthcare in America costs. Yeah. And I don't even want to know the number of what she actually paid or somebody actually paid for those right. insoles. I don't know if it had anything to do with uh, the Liberty losing because Sabrina had another amazing game on Thursday. Um, but I guess some fan out here was like, by any means necessary because <laughs> we need a win. Um, <laughs> it did not really stop Sabrina from scoring, though. She had 22 points. So, I mean, did it really work? I don't know. Did she get her insoles back? I don't know. Right. I hope so, or at least got another pair custom made. Those things actually also take a long time to make. To make. Yeah. So I don't know if she got, you know, some expedited insoles, but they typically take like two to three weeks to actually make. Mm. Um, so thoughts go out to Sabrina. <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't get injured because even though the New York Liberty are not my team, I don't like to see teams get eliminated because all of a sudden injuries start flying left and right. Mm -hmm. So all prayers go out to Sabrina that she either found her shoes or can get some new custom insoles because we don't want this to be the reason why we can't see this matchup later on in the playoffs. Right. Whoever took that child's insoles, give her back the daggone insoles, please. <laughs> They don't make no <laughs> daggone sense. Stop playing. We listen. Yes, we were shit in the bed pretty bad, but that don't. That's not means for stealing. Okay. So if it was, you know, allegedly, God forbid, somebody from the Aces camp or like just like Aces fans, please just give her give her back the daggone it. So it might have been a Liberty freaking fan. Who knows? <laughs> With a foot fetish. Who knows? But either way. Uh, it didn't. It really didn't work. I, maybe it's karma if it was part of the Aces side because it was a jam-packed week with games and all that stuff happening, uh, one after another. And first of all, I can't get over the fact that the WNBA was scheduling games at the same damn time as all these other back to back, huh? Back to back, back to back, back to back. Like the Liberty, thank the Lord, beat who was it? The Phoenix Mercury, right? Mm -hmm. Um, when they played and they lost against the Aces, luckily their back-to-back -back game this past Friday, so they lost the Aces on Thursday by 13, and then they freaking beat uh the Mercury the next day this past Friday, and I think it was either it was definitely more than over 15 points. So yeah, it was 22. So they beat them by 22. So like it's crazy that they had to play back to back, but the fact is like you know they kept it together. However. My daggone aces. So my highlight is not so much a high for me. It's, it's another a low, low light. It's a low light. <laughs> the daggone low light. Well, it's a highlight for the Sparks. It's we, a highlight for the Sparks. Be and optimistic. I, kudos to the Sparks. Kudos to Derek and Hamby. Every time they beat the aces, I'm going to be like, that was that was Hamby. That was, <laughs> that was for Hamby. <laughs> but anyway, my highlight is going to have to go to the Sparks giving the Aces their first official, I guess, in-season loss at home this year. I mean, we might scream fatigue like we talked about in the Aces part, but the Liberty, like I said before, they found a way to muscle their way to the victory against the Mercury this past Friday, in which they actually played, like, again, back-to-back. -back. So they lost. The Aces lost. 
And like, I don't understand. Like they, yes, they, they played um, on Thursday night, but unlike the Liberty, the Liberty literally had back-to-back games. The Aces at least had a little time in between the break and to breathe. Yes, they were playing the Sparks, who are also been on like a, a winning streak uh, um, recently, which, uh, you know, they're not no lay down team. Let me not say that. But the fact is you lost, Aces. I'm sorry. I have to give it to – I got to give respect where respect is due. The big three for the Sparks team right now, I think, is Neko, Gumake, uh, Leisha. I don't know how to pronounce her first name. Is it Leisha? Leisha. Or their first name, rather. Leisha Clarendon and Jordan Canada. I mean – if those three are playing well, I think it dictates how everyone else is going to play on the team, and it plays to all their strengths. And it's like they're all moving like a well-oiled machine. And again, what did we talk about, Sam? Like during this time of the season, the teams don't have it figured out. Then I don't think they ever are going to get it figured out. And it seems like everybody's figuring, for the most part, everyone's figuring out what's going on. Like they're figuring out their teammates and all that. And kudos to the freaking Sparks. You know. And their defense wasn't their defense wasn't bad either. And I think the you know the best thing for the rest of the league in terms of stopping the aces, at least in my opinion, from repeating a championship is watching film and figuring out figuring out like how to defend the aces as it you know pertains to that to their particular teams. Like you figure that out, you have a good shot, you know, and you have a good shooting night at that, and you get some old boards. It's a possibility to beat the aces. Like so. The aces are beatable, and I think after offline, Sam and I were talking about like you know our thoughts upon the aces in the beginning. I felt like me personally, not Sam, but I thought that the aces were unbeatable, like they couldn't be beaten. Like you know, I was like the only teams that possibly could beat them is the Sun and Liberty if they figured it out. The Liberty have figured it out. They clearly blew out the, the, the aces, so they they definitely proven that point of mind. But I feel like way more teams can actually beat the Aces. And, and Sam thought, like, you know, no, they're beatable if everybody else is playing well, which is basically saying what I'm saying, too. The fact that everybody, for the most part, almost all teams in this league have been they – fig- they're figuring it out and they know where they are together. I kind of want to put more pressure on the Aces of, like, what they need to do. Because right now, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not thinking, like, you know, now they can't be undefeated because they've. this is now the fourth game they lost. But it's they're being exposed to me. They're, they're so much so exposed right now. So, I mean, like, there are three huge games, in my opinion, that the Aces have, have lost. You know, I don't really count the Sun game. I'm sorry because Bonner went off. And I don't really count that one. But, honestly, you know, this live footage is out there now. Everybody knows what to do at this point. So, like, for them to win every single game every night out, I don't think it's possible for the rest of the season. But they, I'm, like we talked offline, Sam, I think they can, I agree. I think they can only afford to meet, to lose one, just for their own daggone mental and, like, team morale, honestly. Like, I listen, I, I just, I really want them to get back on the swing of things and, like, playing their bench way more, which Becky happens to be doing now. So I hope that keeps playing to their advantage, like getting the bench more involved and maybe earlier on than like, than has been. What do you think? I definitely um, had like mixed feelings about it. That is the Aces losing. Um, I definitely went into the season once the rosters were set feeling like, 
the Aces were going to be the number one seed. The Aces were definitely top contender to win a championship. And of course, they're trying to do it back to back. So that makes them even more of a tough competitor because they're trying to accomplish this like huge feat. That's yeah. extremely difficult. On the flip side, I did think that there were some teams that had the potential for giving them some trouble. Um, and coincidentally, it happens to be the teams that have been giving them some trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, New York was included in that, but also earlier on in the season and earlier on in the podcast season, we talked about how dangerous the Sparks um, had the potential for being. Um, and then they were completely plagued with injury. I think at one point, like every, just about every player on the roster had missed at least one game with some sort of injury. Mm-hmm. And some are still out with injuries. Some had extensive time, you know, on the injury list. Um, and so they've had a constant rotation of players, hardship contracts. The starting five was changing like every other game. <laughs> um And so now they're just now starting to find a little bit of continuity. Um, This last game was the fifth game in a row that they'd had the same starting five and coincidentally was their fifth win in a row. Yeah. Um, So I definitely had them being as a dangerous team that could cause trouble for the aces early on. And I think that we didn't see it, you know, earlier on in the season, just because of all the injuries and illnesses that were, you know, plaguing their team. Um, I think the Dallas Wings is another example of um, a team that they, you know, did end up beating the Aces earlier on in the season, but we were unsure about them because they have a lot of new people on their roster. They have a new coach, very similar to Los Angeles. And so we weren't really sure how everything was going to play out. But I felt like if everything played out the way that we wanted to see it play out, that they would also be a dangerous team. I do think that there are other dangerous teams out there that had a rough start. We talked about the Minnesota Lynx. I don't think anyone expected them to start 0-6. But since then, they have gone on this huge tear and are now hanging right around the 7th, 8th seed, you know, trying to hold on to a spot in the playoffs. Um, and we know that they have the rookie sensation, Diamond Miller. They have former rookie of the year, Nafisa Collier, former coach of the year and four-time champion, Cheryl Reeve, five-time champion, Cheryl Reeve. Yeah. Um, so they've got a lot of pieces out there. And so they went through a period early, early on when they started out 0-6 where it was like, you know, what the heck is going on? Like, this was not the team that we expected. And now that they're, you know, they've upped the ante and they're doing a lot better, you know, people are looking at them as maybe not a team that will dethrone the Aces, but a team that will definitely give the Aces a lot of trouble come the, you know, come playoff season. Yeah. You know, so I definitely didn't go in thinking that the Aces were invincible. And I think that now that we're getting closer to the end of the regular season and standings are starting to take shape, we're really starting to see like where everybody's potential lies. And I think that that's part of the reason why now we're seeing the Aces lose. It's because their potential was already there. It was their last season. And then they added pieces that only made them even greater, you know? And so even without Candace Parker, they still had added pieces that are continuing to elevate them, you know? So they had the core already there, 
versus now you have teams that the core is just now coming. So while they may not ultimately win at the end of the, you know, the playoffs, they might not win a championship. They're going to tire some teams out. They're going to, you know, mess up the standings because they're going to give you some L's in the regular season. And those are the things that are ultimately going to make the biggest difference. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I'm just excited to see the rest of the season play out because everybody, like you said, is just more, they're just in a rhythm now. You know, they're well acclimated with their teammates. You know, they're finding their own personal, like, strengths or just kind of just embodying what their strengths are and playing their roles. Um, We talked a lot about Sid Colson offline, like how even if you might not be on the court, but you might be a great factor off the court on the bench, you know, or even in practices and all that, even pregame and all that. So um, I think that that's a great additive. I think the aces really do uh, benefit from a player like Sid Colson who might not give you not minutes or points or defense or anything like that, but she gives you energy and that energy you need to, once you get back on that court to get business done. So, yeah, I mean, kudos to all the teams right now currently. Like, I have to say that. I got to highlight all of y'all, you know. But but I did want to talk about one thing really quick. And maybe, like, we talked about this offline. We'll, we'll start this as, like, a, a new segment if it if it so happens. But we not, we need to start throwing out timeouts. Because in this very game that happened against the Liberty, uh, no, it's not the Liberty, I'm sorry, but the Sparks and the Aces this past, uh, was it Saturday? We need to talk about the fact that we need to start giving out some timeouts, okay? Timeout, timeout on the play, sit your behind down, because we got bones to pick with you. So my first timeout is going to be given to the only Alicia Clark. Because yet again, sis has decided not to wear her hair in that up, but now I don't give a darn crap what any of y'all say. My sophisticated spectators, y'all already know that we talked about this, Sam and I. We brought this up before. We're not the only ones who think that. The fact that Alicia Clark keeps freaking changing up her hair is the detriment to the daggone aces, Okay. And I literally could find the timestamp. I told you, Sam, remember I texted you and I was like, we were winning when she had her hair up in the top button. What happened? I don't know if maybe she's making it too tight. If she's got to adjust, fine. But keep it at the dag on top of your hair, Alicia Clark. You're getting a timeout. Because I cannot stand when you put, yes, they're cute. We get it. We've gotten past that. But, lady, if you don't keep putting your hair in the top bun, messy bun, I don't care, but it better be on the top of that head. We're going to have some motherfucking problems. I'm going to tell Becky herself to start benching you and keep you on the bench because you should not be in the game if your hair is on the top of your head. There we go. I also have one for Clarendon as well because they definitely pushed uh, Plum in that game. And it was a shove that maybe, you know, Plum definitely sold it. But when Plum definitely went back after her to push her behind down, she did a rumble, tumble, flip, and backflip to the side almost. I was like, all right, Clarendon. But then freaking Plum had to blow the damn lay- uh, the damn free throw. But whatever. that Plum, maybe give I might give Plum a timeout next week because she's been getting on my nerves too a little bit. But <laughs> love you, Plum. 
But, you know, sometimes, girl, you got to chill out with the shooting threes and nobody down there. you just not setting up no play. Come on now. But anyway, clearing in timeout as well because that was uncalled for. That was uncalled for. Good game, though. 22 points, I think five assists and five rebounds. Clarendon was balling. Like, kudos to you, Clarendon. I was going to give you, you know, breakout star, but nah, you want timeout for that one because that was uncalled for. But that's it. I got my two timeouts. I just handed out this week. <laughs> y'all don't want to be in the timeout slot, so come on, y'all. Come correct and play ball. Alicia, stop playing. All right, I'm good now. <laughs> So sophisticated spectators, DM us and let us know if you <laughs> enjoy Jocelyn giving her timeout of the week. <laughs> I definitely enjoyed it, and I definitely agreed that both of them need a timeout. And maybe we should have timed out Alicia Clark two weeks ago, and maybe we would be having these on-off problems. So <laughs> let us know if you like that segment or if there's anybody you want to time out because there's still a good amount of season left and there might be some people that need to sit down and think about their actions. Mm-hmm. Put them in timeout. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. speaking of the Sparks, the Aces, mm-hmm. and the Wings, mm-hmm. there is a player out there, former WNBA player, that has caused quite a stir when talking about those three teams hmm, who might have been no by now <laughs> we are talking about liz cambage oh miss cambage <laughs> so we have spent the last how long has it been since the interview a week and a half two weeks yeah i thought like two weeks yeah watching reflecting analyzing on this interview that she had with bleacher report formulating our opinions, getting our thoughts together. And we wanted to have a discussion about it because it has taken the league by storm. Mm. And anyone that knows Liz in terms of basketball knows that she is a very polarizing person. I think people hate to love her and love to hate her. However you stand, she is one of the best players to ever play the game. Um, but she did an interview a couple of weeks ago where she shared her experience in the WNBA, um, a very tumultuous experience within the league um, that really had a lot of people reflecting on their own experiences, uh, whether you're a fan or a player or on the staff um, and really reflecting on well, where do you stand in the midst of all that she said because homegirl said a lot <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, and wow. so we're, we're just we're just gonna talk about it and flesh it out a little bit because it, it, it was a lot yeah um and so this was an interview that apparently was a year in the making um she has been out of the league since mid last season she stepped away from her contract with the Sparks in the middle of last season and has not been back to the WNBA. Um, she still has been playing professional basketball. She's originally from Australia. She plays overseas primarily in China, but also for the Australian Olympic basketball team. So she is an Olympian. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, this interview was a year in the making and, um, 
to start off, I will say that the interviewer, Taylor Rooks, um, is not somebody that primarily does WNBA interviews. She does all types of sports league interviews. Um, so on the one hand, I felt like she was very professional in her approach and treated her just like she would any other athlete. And it was very much a conversation. I do think on the flip side, I kind of felt like maybe if we had someone that was more immersed in the WNBA media, that maybe the line of questioning would have been a little bit more in depth. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, she did great on the interview. Think she, so. she asked all of the hard hitting questions, mm-hmm. even if some of them did require a follow or we would have wanted to see a follow up. I do think that she asked a lot of the tough questions mm-hmm. that would normally make people feel uncomfortable. Um, and ultimately we did get a lot out of it. It was about an hour and a half long interview. So right. it was a lot of information to unpack a lot of shocking accusations. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. And so we're just going to kind of start wherever, actually. I was going to say from the top, but we're going to start wherever we want to start. Start wherever we want to start. <laughs> Our world, okay? <laughs> so a little bit about Liz's start in the WNBA. She was drafted by Tulsa Shock um, in 2011. Um, second pick after Maya Moore. Um, anyone that doesn't know, Tulsa Shock ended up moving to Dallas in 2016 and ended up becoming the Dallas Wings. So same franchise, just different city. Um, she admitted that she was not super familiar with basketball in America prior to her interest in the WNBA. She had heard of the WNBA, of course but had never really watched the WNBA. Of course, she is from the other side of the world. So she admitted to never really watching the WNBA, um, only really got into college basketball um, in her latter years when she she was looking at people that she could possibly be playing against, you know? Mm -hmm. So obviously she knew the greats like Candace Parker, but then also shared that she was very familiar with Maya Moore, who, as I mentioned, was the number one pick that year. Yeah. Um, she also admitted that she, basketball was never like her first passion. Um, she's a multi-talented person that is interested in fashion and music Mm -hmm. and she admitted that she just happens to be a tall girl that ended up being good at basketball yeah but it was never like her number one love or the only thing that she ever wanted to do Mm -hmm. um so when she was you know she went professional at 16 which is pretty common when you live outside of america um and so with that being said she um, came into the league pretty young. She was still a teenager, young adult, um, and was very adamant that she did not want to go to Tulsa. Yeah. Even though Tulsa was talking about making her a franchise player. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of reminded me of the situation that Aaliyah Boston is in right now, where not to say that she didn't want to go there because uh, I don't think she expressed any wants or desires no. or she wanted to go um, but just in the terms of like Aaliyah Boston is you know pushed into this franchise player position but 
Indiana isn't the most desirable team to be <laughs> to in really Indianapolis. Stuff. I don't know how desirable it is on the list of 12 cities to go to, you know. Um, <laughs> and she had expressed to her agent that yeah, her Parker. interest was actually to go to L.A. Her dream was to play with Candace Parker. Yeah. Um, and so when you hear that you're going to be the number two pick and you're going to Tulsa and then it's confirmed, her first thought was, I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I think that it just kind of went downhill, um, started to talk about, you know, mental health and she was young, you know, being away from home at 19 in a completely different country on the other side of the world and being in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I've never been to Tulsa before, but if I'm looking at the list of cities that I could potentially go to, I don't know how high Tulsa would be on my list. It would not be period. Um, and they were a struggle team. You know, obviously, when you have a high draft pick, it's typically because your team was in the bottom four in the, the overall standings. You know, unless a trade happened where you end up getting the number one pick, majority of times it's because your team is not that good, mm-hmm. you know. And so she's in her mind, she's like, OK, I'm going to Tulsa, which is where I didn't want to go. <laughs> and I'm going to a team that isn't that good and I want to win. Yeah. You know. So what are your first thoughts just on her immediate, I guess, disdain for not wanting to be in that city? And let me add that her rookie salary was only forty thousand dollars in two thousand eleven. Yeah, I think she was a, a person that said even like the fact that the money was crazy low. Um, for her, which is also why later on in her career she decided to play overseas because she was like, I'm getting paid properly, you know, um, you know, staying overseas as opposed to playing for the league, which was like kind of like very, really confusing for her. And again, her not really understanding and knowing much about the league before she got into it, I think was a huge thing for her. And then you, you already brought it up the fact that she was super young, you know, I think that when you're coupling all those things together you're it's kind of like a, a recipe for disaster considering the personality that Liz Cambage has period you know so I think that as she got older and understood where she could make the most money and the fact that like you said before basketball wasn't like end all be all I love basketball being like the only thing I want to do in life you know she's like a multi-hyphenate then that's when you kind of go oh I think the the interview for me kind of opened up a little bit more to me understanding her a bit. Like, yeah, I think she's great in media. She's she knows how to talk to interviewers. She knows like how to um, keep her in the in a good light. You know, she's very much so media trained very well. And I think that also is a testament to like like she said herself, her being her not only just being a baller. She loves being a baller. She likes the game of bass. She loves the game of basketball, but it's not her end all be all everything. That's all I want to do. That's all I want to be. She even said like, you know, later on in the interview that basketball is kind of like a thing that she wanted to like be able to like hang up and put back on, you know, like she wanted to have that space. And it kind of reminded me if like you were to compare it to like a male basketball player, she kind of reminds me of Dennis Rodman. You know, like of like how he was a great player, knew knew that, knew that he was really good. His attitude and his interests were vast and he very much so needed time and space 
for his mental and also just for him as a person that, you know, like he didn't want to be pigeonheld and held down to like just being a basketball player and just playing basketball all the time. And that really be his whole entire life, you know, like he wanted and he did do much more than that. And I think with Liz, that's her situation. She's kind of like, I'm big, like as far as tall as what. Uh, I know I'm really good because I'm so tall and I actually know what to do with the ball when I finally do get it. I just want to be where I want to be. like, And I want to be able to make the money that I really want to make. And if you're mad that I'm confident in who I look like, what I look like, because I am so like not your average height person. I'm not your average person at all in any way, shape, form, or however you try to slice it. So the fact that she's not, um, that she's not apologetic about that, she's super unapologetic. And she's shameless. Like, you know, I think for some people having an issue with that, um, being like, you know, a kind of person like that out there and not like the 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 poster board like player for the league and the fact that she was yelling and loud and proud about what she was saying and, and was, you know, extremely like just forthright with it. I think that definitely made people sour um, and feel away. Like, so I could hear her on that side me personally as a personality and as like the characteristics that she's like kind of like presented to the world, I don't really agree with. And so it was really good to see the interview because I'm like, okay, kind of want to know what's in that head of yours because from outside looking in, it looks like complete arrogance. And that's what she's kind of, she was kind of trying to say, like paint a picture of like, y'all don't really know me. Like, you know, y'all just know of me because of all the crap that I've been in. But I've really just been saying kind of the same things that some of these other players are saying about, like, the CBA and all that stuff like that. She's like, listen, I'm saying the same thing. Racist? Maybe not. But she kind of tiptoed around that. And that's where I had the issue, where she was calling, you know, and I'm sure you're going to get to the Nigerian players. What was it? Monkeys or something like that? Crazy? Some slur. Some racial slur. Um, And she's kind of like, why would I do that? You know, I'm she, she's biracial, right? She's mixed race. Mm-hmm. So, she, you know, she tried to paint that picture, but kind of never really went double back down on that. And the interviewer, Taylor, she she did a good job at trying to get her back to it. But I don't think she pried enough to really get Liz to, like, say the real thing. But Liz took control again. She's very much so great with, like, talking to the media. She took control of that narrative and she kind of made you kind of go, wait, did she say it? Or are people just kind of jealous of her? Like, you know, like, I, I kind of do like how she took control, like, oh, as far as Liz goes, like, whoever her publicist is or whoever, like, you know, talk to her, like, through this, if she does, ha- does have anyone, was excellent. But if it was just her, she did a great job at that because people not really knowing her too much and just kind of, like, knowing a little bits and pieces about her might go, I'm on Liz's side, you know, as opposed to somebody else who was a player that she kind of called out, like, you know, on, I think the Sparks team, she was saying. So um, she was name dropping, she, not name dropping. She was definitely kind of stirring the pot, which made me also go like, you're a little messy, you know? So I don't know. What did, what did you think about? Well, I mean, we can continue the, the story yeah, and let's then just, let's it, it'll on. continue to grow and we'll get to the Nigerian team comments. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that she did say about, her experience in Tulsa in 2011 was that she felt like there was no support there. Like she was 19 years old in the middle of Oklahoma and she felt like the vets didn't have her back. Um, and so in 2012, 
you know, it was an Olympic year. Typically, um, if you play for a, a different country's Olympic team, then you would more than likely miss the beginning half of the season into the Olympics. And then majority mm-hmm. of people will come back after the Olympic break. Um, so, of course, because she's Australian, she missed the first half of the WNBA season. And the, the Tulsa was anticipating that she would come back. Um, yeah. after the Olympic Games. And after the Olympic Games, she decided that she didn't want to be in Tulsa anymore and she was not coming back. Yeah. And that absence went on for five years. Um, <laughs> and so that was the first sign of like, you know, something is not right for Liz and wherever she kind of sits in the league, she's not very happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so she ended up not coming back until 2018 um when they were the Dallas Wings um and at that point of course they had different players different staff different coaches um she claims to have a had and have a pretty good relationship with Skylar Dickens Mm -hmm. who was the star of the team at, at that time she also is noted to have had a great relationship with Fred Williams who was the head coach um but ultimately there were rumors that she was unhappy with the GM. She was unhappy with the front office and all of the, I guess, plans or lack thereof that Dallas had in terms of winning a championship. Yeah. Um, and so she decided to ask out of her contract. Um, that was also around the same time that Skylar Diggins got pregnant. And so then she missed that entire next season. Um, and so it was kind of one of those things where it's like my best friend on the team is now not going to be here and I don't really want to be here anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? And so she asked to be, you know, taken out of, you know, her contract or be traded. Um, She had initially talked about, of course, once again, wanting to be traded to LA, LA provided her opportunities to play with her dream player, Candace Parker, but also, pursue her DJing career because people know her to be a DJ outside of playing basketball. That's something Mm -hmm. that she's really passionate about. And then also, like we mentioned the fashion. And so LA was once again, well, maybe we could go to LA. Like, could that be an option for me? Well, she ended up being traded to Las Vegas. And I think from there, the problems for her started to compile. Um, The first thing she said was that, she gets the call from Bill Lambeer, who was the head coach at the time, um, telling her that contract is done. We need you in Vegas tomorrow. And her response was, well, I have a life. Like, I have a house. I have other projects going on. I can't just get up and leave tomorrow. Yeah. Which I feel like any confident person who is secure in themselves may say, like, my job is not going to run my life. You know? Right. You got to give me a week. You got to give me 10 days. So she said, I need 10 days. I need mm-hmm. to get my life together before I just pick up everything and go to Vegas. She said, I understand if that means that you have to move on and not offer me this contract, but just know that I need 10 days. And so Bill and her hung up the phone. She took her 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, she called and said, we good or we not good? What are we doing? <laughs> he said, come on over and we going to do this. You know, but the question became, you know, she constantly mentioned the word like bullying. She mm. felt like she was bullied by some 
franchises. She felt like she was being bullied by some players. Like what? She, but she never specified like what instances constituted as bullying. Right. You know, so when you use the word bullying so loosely, specifics are needed. You know, because obviously this is an organization that keeps going, and mm-hmm. people are content and doing their job. You know, so when you're saying things like, well, like, was this something that she considered bullying? Like, I, I don't know what, you know, or is this her just putting her foot down? Like, yeah. Bill had his job as the head coach, you know, in communication with the front office. This is what the organization wants. We want you here tomorrow. Yeah. Is that considered bullying? I, what do you think? I don't really think it's considered bullying. No, I don't, it's I don't. just a, a meeting of the minds. Yeah. I don't think it's considered bullying. I think it's about how a person receives communication though. You know, like I think because Liz, let's be real though. Liz Cambage is also a person that is really strong willed. And I think that when it sounds like, I'm not saying it is because I don't know her situation because I'm not there and she's only giving us enough to like play to her side really. And she's only giving us, from her perspective, she's not really giving both sides, nor does she really take accountability for anything that she might have done. <laughs> it's always been they do it. They're doing this again. Hence the bullying. Like she's being bullied. It's always them. It's never really her. Also accused certain players. She didn't mention anybody's name, but she yeah. did say that certain players were bullying her, mm-hmm. were bullying her family, meaning personally texting her family or yep. sending messages on social media bullying her friends, selling fake stories to ESPN. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the story starts to take a left, you know, because when you mention accountability, how much of that is you being strong-willed? How much of that is your personality? And and not to say that anyone deserves to be bullied, but some, some personalities are more difficult to get along with and strong-willed is one of them i think us being two very strong-willed people i think that sometimes we just don't mesh well with other people yeah and you just kind of have to be okay with that like my personality is not going to be for everybody and your personality is not going to be for everybody you know so like i said she didn't mention any specific people by name but she did mention that she had been bullied by certain players on the Vegas team and actually requested a trade after the first game. Yeah. Yeah. Which to me was kind of like, you, you haven't really given this franchise a fair chance because you already basically told the coach, I'm not showing up when you are telling me to show up. And then I show up 10 days later. And then after the first game, you're already like, Oh, I don't want to do this. I'm out of here. Yeah, it's so this is now like the second time that she's requested a trade and it's very much giving if if I don't like it, then I'm just going to leave. Yeah, I mean, she was also kind of vocal, not really saying that's what like she she basically said she wanted to be with the Sparks. She wanted first of all, she like you said earlier, she wanted to play with Candace. That didn't really happen. So, but she definitely wanted to be part of that dynasty of like the Sparks. She loved what Lisa Leslie did and she loved what Candace Parker did. So she wanted to be a part of that. And, you know, even she said she did kind of, not kind of, she threw some players under the bus, but didn't name drop for the Ve- for Vegas, for the Aces. She was saying like there were a number of them, not just one, not just two, 
you know, we, well, we don't know if it was, you know, two or more, but um, she said that there were some players, plural, that um, were, you know, like you said, saying those things, saying things to her directly. Um, somebody called her slow. I don't know if that was on the Sparks or on the, um, the uh, Vegas team. But she was saying, like, how she was getting it from all sides, not only from in the media, but also from within um, on her own, on the different teams that she was on. So it's just like all of this is happening, but you're trying to or is, is she painting this picture of like everybody's envious of her because of her complete stature and because of her skill? It's just like, but this is what the league is for. The league is to celebrate people like you. Uh, players like you right like you know and like let's be real let's be honest we talked about it like on on, um you know on the show the podcast before about like the racial things of like what they want us to see and like the narrative that they push within the WNBA like let's just be real systemic racism is real and we see it throughout especially throughout sports um but as far as like the WNBA when predominantly you know the percentages of like african-american or black american or however the diaspora as opposed to non non-black is is vast like you know so even for for liz cambage to be a biracial person i feel like she's she's playing on all the different things of like envy of jealousy you know and it's just kind of like but where are you in the middle of all this because the common denominator in all of these different things is you so like even again, Taylor kind of pushed her on like, is everybody always wrong? It's not, you know, it's always everybody having the issues. It's, it's always other people bullying you. It's never you. And she couldn't really answer that. And I'm, that's what makes me, that's what gives me more resolve in her interview is kind of like, eh, and it goes back again to the accountability of like, do you really feel like your shit don't stink? Cause it's, that's well, no, she answered it. She answered it yeah. and said that she's not at fault. <laughs> it just wasn't really the answer that we were expecting. And let's yeah. not forget that she played 2019 in Vegas. That was presumably the season where she said that she wanted to leave after the first game. Mm-hmm. She played the entire season. She was out for the bubble season, um, citing mental health. And also, she had a really bad bout of COVID back in December 2019 before COVID was actually, like, COVID. Yeah. Uh, where she nearly died um, because she was in China when she caught it. Um, and so she was, I mean, I remember the story. She was talking about being in the hospital in China and having the doctors call her mom because she was afraid that she was going to die. Um, so I don't blame her for wanting to miss 2020 in the bubble one because of just overall mental health and the toll that that took that experience took on everybody but then also like being afraid of COVID and having to come from your home on the other side of the world and be trapped in this bubble and the world was still kind of in shambles so Mm -hmm. we're not going to knock her for 2020 but then 2021 she came back to Vegas you know so how bad was it actually that you took a whole year off and then still decided to come back to Vegas? Yeah. I don't know, but the story is just not adding up. It's not. And I think, you know, again, she, she tried to wrap it all up with a bow saying like, she loves, she's a baller. She likes to ball. She just wants to ball. 
but also put down the ball when she feels like it. But I think that's it. Like everybody's not going to operate on her schedule. And that might be why she has to stay away from the W because maybe they're, you know, the W is not as lenient to just do what exactly what she wants to do. You know, they're not going to just be like, Oh yeah, Liz, you want to take a break? Then that's fine. Oh, you want to come on back? Come on back. We'll welcome you with open arms on any team you want to be on. And, yeah, and she did, again, mention the CBA, which is like she said, like, that's the main thing of, like, all of this. Like, that's the real main issue that we need to rectify. She's like, you get that fixed, I'll gladly want to come back to the W. Which, there is some truth in that because there's other players that agree with the fact that there needs to be changes there. And we all, we call, we all can agree on that. But it's like, don't jump on the, the coattails of an issue that is very adamant, very loud and proud, very much so expressed by many other players and then like add that to your narrative it's kind of like ah. but is that all it is though with you Liz like you know so I think the again the interview was good to like show a little bit more of like what her side is and what she might have been facing which it could be very much so true like let's not forget that um but also there I just think where she did didn't like you know paint herself in a, in a good light was where she didn't take any accountability for anything um, she she denied the the name calling of the Nigerian players. Um, she said she never really even said that. She said that there was a she was um basically had a good rapport with them, and also that they had even asked her back to play or something like that on the team. Well, or let's like talk that. about it because yeah, let's talk about twenty twenty one was the year when that happened. Um, yeah. as we mentioned, she plays for the Australian national team, and leading up to the Olympics they have exhibition games against yeah. other countries. And so this particular exhibition game was against Nigeria. Let me mention that Liz Cambage is half Nigerian, but yeah. raised by her Australian mother in mm-hmm. Australia. Yeah. Um, which is why she represents Australian national team, but they were playing this exhibition game against Nigeria and it was a very physical game. We mm-hmm. have since seen clips come out um showing different um scenes where yeah it was a very physically aggressive game um on both ends um yeah. Nigeria and Australia and at one point um I think Liz like in a basketball move kind of elbowed one of the Nigerian players in like a post move and of course the whistle was blown you know foul whatever but um the Nigerian player like charged at Liz and like pushed her to the ground and caused her to have a concussion yeah um and it was around that time in the game where she allegedly made disparaging and racially driven remarks Mm -hmm. um we're not going to repeat it but yeah. made racially driven mar- remarks to um, the Nigerian players and even went as far as to say, go back to your own third world country. Yeah. Um, she has over and over and over again vehemently denied um, these accusations. But then there was another clip um, where it kind of sounded like she said it. Yeah. Um, and so once that second clip came out, then it was like, but she kind of sounded like she really said it. And that was really where I felt like Taylor kind of failed in the interview. If I could pick one spot where I wish she would have been a little bit stronger, 
because Liz kept saying, I did not say that. Like, why would I say that I'm a black woman? Like I yeah. love black people. Why would I say that? And even when, as far as to say, like, I've had talks with the Nigerian national yep, teams, like did. coaches about playing for their team. Mm-hmm. Um, but Taylor never followed up and said, well, if you didn't say it, well, what did you actually say? Right. What was You said? know, because I, let's admit the audio was a little fuzzy. It was in mm-hmm. a gym, you know, so there's obviously an echo. It wasn't like it was in a professional arena. It was just in a small gym. Yep. Um, so it very easily could have been something that sounded like what she said. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> to, to give her the benefit of the doubt you know what I mean and that's where I wish Taylor had asked her well you're saying you didn't say this but what did you say mm-hmm. because if we're, playing the cl- if we're playing the clip back like not only did the Nigerian team say that she said it but some of her Australian players said that she said right. it and yeah. even people on social media that were watching the clip back felt like she said it, it you know and so once again it's that accountability like it's not enough just to say i didn't do it i didn't do it you know because now we have tape coming out saying that you said it you did you know and it it definitely kind of sounded like she said it (laughs) you know so when we're talking when we're talking like holding yourself accountable it's not enough just to say oh it was them it wasn't me because mm-hmm. at a certain point, like you said, it just becomes, well, do you hold any responsibility? And maybe her responsibility could be, I know I have a strong personality. I know that sometimes I say things in a way that rub people the wrong way. I know I say things that other people want to say, but don't say. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be seen as aggressive. That can be seen as too assertive or yep. bullying, you know, yep. and, and that's okay. You know what I mean? But she said nothing. She, you know, was repeatedly asked, like, in this scenario, do you take any accountability? In in the Dallas situation, in the Tulsa situation, and now the Vegas situation, in the in the Olympic situation, like there are four different places now where you are citing significant things happening. Do you take accountability for anything that may have happened in any of those scenarios? And she continued to say no. Deny, deny, deny. Yeah. <laughs> so I so, guess. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, I was saying. So I guess like it's it's kind of like up for discussion of like who who do you believe? Sufficient spectators also tell us who do y'all believe? You know, like do y'all believe everybody else or do you believe Liz Kimmage? Because it seems as though like everybody is against Liz. You know, like she doesn't really have anybody else that's caping for her, to be honest. Well, that's where that good PR comes in, because you were saying that she is very, you know, well prepped, you know, Mm -hmm. when it comes to doing interviews. And part of that is making people come onto your side, you know, because no one wants to go in an interview and come out the villain, you know. And so part of media preparation is bringing people onto your side. Yep. Yep. I agree. And she's good at that masterful, even if you want to say, if you want to give her her props on that. So I guess we'll have to see again, like I said, sophisticated spectators, let us know, like, what do y'all think? Cause I, I know what I think. I think that she can't be relieved of all, you know, like responsibility of everything. I think in something she does need to say, yeah, maybe there, that's where like, you know, I could have been better blase blase. Like she might, and it seems like she's using even mental health as a crutch a bit, 
like of saying like you know mental health there and, and all that like I, I can't be in these spaces or you know I can't really deal with that like I gotta have you know my chance time to roam and do what I need to do and handle my other businesses and all that stuff like that but it's just like yeah but even that's devoid of saying yeah I could be better in in some ways you know because she's not a perfect person because no that's not that's not real that's not realistic so if you want to be real you can really say I sometimes mess up and like, you know, like sometimes I say things like you said that other people might be thinking and they're too afraid to say, but I'm not afraid to say them. And like that can be looked upon as bad, but you know, I can understand that the way I say certain things can be misconstrued or even come off wrong. And I apologize for that. But like, other than that, I'm just going to be me. And if she's going to be apologetically herself, then fine, whatever lives. But like, as far as that, your, you know, your place in the WNBA, you might be, you know, coined as problematic and hard to work with, which it seems like it is. That's the case right now. Yeah. Well, the saga <laughs> ends in LA. Yeah. Um, after the 2021 season, she opted to ask for a trade again. And yep. so she got traded to LA without Candace Parker. Um, so she finally made it to the city of her dreams and, um, she ended up leaving right around halfway into the season. Um, but kind of rewinding a little bit, um, apparently some players in the league had warned her about the Sparks organization and not in the best ways. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when she got there, you know, she had claimed that ownership and the GM, who at the time was Derek Fisher, um, had promised her any they were going to buy her any car of her choosing, G wagon, yep. Mercedes, like BMW, whatever she wanted. You know, mm-hmm. Range Rover, anything that she wanted, and also were going to provide rental assistance for her to not live in the provided housing, but instead live in Bel Air. Yeah. Um. Now, once again, Taylor needs follow-up questions. Yeah. Because if I was a WNBA interviewer, my questions would be, you see what everybody's getting paid around here. Um, where, where are we getting money for this G-Wagon? Why you think you're different? Why where are we th- getting money for this, this house in Bel Air? And let's clarify that when we're talking rental assistance, every player is provided housing at no cost to them. If they choose to live elsewhere, like if they live in that city and they want to stay in their home or they want to rent an apartment of their choosing, fancier than what they're being provided with, they are responsible for the difference. So if the league gives you $1,000 and whichever you want to rent is $2,000, you're still getting your $1,000 and you have to pay the difference. So I don't know where, like who it was that told her that she was going to get all this money for the fancy cars and the fancy houses and stuff. But Mm -hmm. if I'm looking around the league and we have, you know, significant financial disparities going on in the league, I don't, I don't know what made her believe this promise. (laughs) In addition to the fact that she was talking about how they were having team practices outside because the facilities were being used. Yeah. Candace had already talked about in LA, she didn't have her own locker. Um, You know, they're, they're doing um, like post game ice baths in the parking lot. Yeah. Um, Just absurd things that who cares if they're true or not. 
Yeah. We don't know. But the fact of the matter is you were warned that this stuff was going on in LA. Still went. And you still went. And then we're mad because you weren't getting the G wagon. Because it was all true. I was <laughs> all the I was, I was conf- confused, you know. And so she decided that enough was enough, um, and that she didn't want to play for the for the WNBA at all anymore. It didn't matter what the organization was; she didn't want to play for the WNBA anymore. Yeah. Um, but she has continued to she has continued to say that she wants to see the WNBA grow. She wants to see the CBA be more protective of its players. She has stood by the notion that she has given suggestions for better marketing. But I think that if you are truly somebody that is interested in the growth of this league, in the growth and protection of its players, you don't go on hour-long interviews talking about the players were bullies and the coaches were mean and they didn't take care of me and they didn't protect my mental health. And it was an abusive environment. You could feel all of those things, but ultimately if your goal in this was to grow the league, this interview did not help grow the league. If anything, it, it was a detriment to the league because now people are looking at the league sideways because we're not questioning her truth mm-hmm. but we're just asking for accountability you know and to to not only not take accountability but then to also make such heinous accusations like i, I don't know and she's even said like i would be open to playing in the league again but then also made a tweet that rubbed everybody the wrong way um, when Becky Hammond last year, it was announced that she was going to get a million dollar salary. Mm-hmm. And she made a comment on Twitter saying the WNBA, the only place where the coach can get a million dollars and the players only get 200,000. Like that doesn't like, I get her intent. Like, yes, the players should be making a million dollars. Everybody yeah. should be making a million dollars plus, you know, yeah. millions of dollars. But that's not the way to do it. That's not the way to convey. And so once again, she was ripped a new one (laughs) because she decided to put this tweet out there. And, you know, she claimed, oh, I was misunderstood and my words get misconstrued. And while your intention may have been good, like you said, sometimes we have to acknowledge that the way we say things or the way we convey things may not always translate the way we intend for them to translate. Because I think all of us would completely agree. Like if Becky's making a million, Asia should be making a million. Kelsey yep. should be making a million. Chelsea's like they, everybody should be making millions of dollars in the league, mm-hmm. you know, but it's the way that you say things. Yeah. And I think that's what always has Liz hung up every time because now she's throwing out words like abusive and bully and disrespectful. And, you know, those are not words that should be from someone whose only goal is to grow the game. Yeah. You got to come with a different narrative or just a different, you know, kind of way, a, a different delivery. That's really it. Or just step away and your journey continues. Like whether you're in the WNBA or you play overseas or you just go back home and do something completely different or come back to America and do something completely different. Like opportunities galore, you know, but 
I just don't like the idea of like someone saying that they want to grow the game while simultaneously bashing. Yeah. Doing everything everything about the game. Like we're not saying that the league is perfect. It's far from it. There's still a lot of things within the CBA that even fans that aren't even like in the intricate details and in the conversations can say like, no, that needs to be better. They need to do something about that, you know? Yeah. But it it comes down to delivery. It's delivery. That's it. Do better. You're good at everything else, Liz, as far as like the, you know, like speaking to the media, let's work on the delivery of like the things that the hard hitting things of like what you really want to accomplish. Work on a delivery and maybe you'll be all right. (laughs) And she said, y'all know I'm messy. So was she doing this ultimately to just be messy? Maybe. Who knows her true intentions? (laughs) Who knows? Back in square one. Damn it, Liz. (laughs) (laughs) We trying. We trying here, girl. (laughs) Hopefully this isn't the last we've seen of Liz, but who knows? Maybe we'll see her in the Olympics coming next year. Or just talking again. We'll see her in the Twitter streets for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on a lighter note, tell us about your breakout star of the week because we've had some really good games this week, some really crazy wins, and a lot of people deserving some uh, accolades. So let's talk about our breakout stars. Absolutely, and I kind of want to just, like, as far as for sake of transitioning, uh, this person actually wrote something on Twitter after Liz Cambage's uh, interview about, like, oh, if y'all really want to know the truth about you know, some things holla at me. But anyway, today I'm doing it for the shorties, okay? The 5'6 guard drafted out of UCLA round one pick five overall in 2018. She's sparking it up for the LA Sparks. So my unsung hero today is Jordan Canada. Let's give it up for Jordan. All right, Jordan Canada is a baller out here, and she's been balling up for the Sparks, especially on their winning streak. So she went off this past game with the, um, you know, against the Aces, where she scored 20 points. She had three rebounds and three assists, and she averages 13 points per game, uh, three rebounds and six assists. A game which you know, which are you know, good stats. So like, if we think about it, like pulling her out to be five six, she's put it in work you know her averages aren't bad at all so like for her to go above and beyond it's just that much better so let's not forget also homegirl is a two-time WNBA champion first was her rookie season with the Seattle Storm in 2018 and then again with them in 2020 so don't sleep on Canada okay not to mention she was the WNBA all defensive first team in 2019 and went on record to being number one in steals league-wide in 2019 so Canada is the truth, so get at her. Don't sleep on her ever. Congratulations, Jordan Canada. We have to give our flowers when they're due, and it is definitely overdue for you. So congrats on that, girl. (laughs) That's a good one. And I'm so happy that Jordan Canada is getting her shine, Um, especially because, I mean, when you play under Sue Bird, you're (laughs) not really going to get that much attention. And so... She kind of was one of those players that it was like, if she doesn't showcase some talent soon, like she might be the next out the door. Yeah. But thankfully she got that opportunity to come to LA. She's from California. And so she has been balling. 
she's really the only reason you know Ball that up. the sparks have like stayed in it even through all of those injuries yep. um so kudos to her my breakout star of the week is none other than Arike Agubuwale. Arike! Bah, 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 bah. Let's go, girl! <laughs> and we've had a lot to say about Arike uh, over the course of the season. You know, we've gotten on her about her field goal percentage and her shot consistency. But she had an amazing game against Connecticut on Friday where she was um, really just took over in the fourth quarter. She ended up with a field goal percentage of 55%, which is huge for her because we know Arike is going to shoot the ball. It's just a matter of whether the ball is going to go in. But she ended up with 30 points, five rebounds, four assists, and two steals. (laughs) And Connecticut ended up being outscored by Dallas 29-12. to Major. And so Dallas has now beat the top three teams and they're yep. the number four seed. So like I said, when we're talking about teams that maybe won't win a championship, but are going to make it extremely difficult for you. We're talking about the Dallas wings. Yeah, the wings. They have had some great additions to their roster due to injury. Mm-hmm. Kalani Brown and um, Odyssey Sims yep. have really been doing it big for Dallas and really making the job easy for Arike to get those shots. So now they have bigs in the paint at all times between Natasha Howard, who we've talked about, uh, Tierra McCowan, Awat Kawir, and Kalani Brown. They Mm -hmm. are just big in the paint, not just in terms of height, but just in terms of wingspan, in terms of just their overall presence down low. It really makes it easy, especially against a team like Connecticut, who is missing their biggest big. Um, and Bree Jones, it just makes it so much easier for Arike to get those open shots. But when I tell you she was making some really just like <laughs> difficult shots, yeah. like you could tell she's really been working on her accuracy. Um, and so it has been so nice to watch her in this second half of the season because I feel like she's finally got a rhythm going. Um, Dallas over the last few years has like constantly had changes in their roster and has always been like a younger team. Mm-hmm. And so now that younger team is starting to get a little bit more experience. They have a little bit more of a veteran presence. And so they're ready to make some damage. You know, this is a team that if that core stays together in a year or two years, maybe even three years, like they could easily be at the top of the standings. You know, yep. they've got a great coach in Latricia Trammell who came out of LA um, and so Arike, we know she's the center of that team. We know she's a superstar. And so it's always just been about having the pieces around her that are going to enable her to get those wide open shots, to to make those contested shots, to set those screens for her. And so this was a great example of a game where she was just able to find those wide open shots. She was able to take advantage of those screens that were being set um, by her teammates. And so Outstanding game. Dallas ended up winning the game by 20 points, 75 to 95. Woo! I mean, great pick, obviously. Can't sleep on her. And like we said, we all we will always keep saying this. We'll give respect where respect is due. Yes, we'll give constructive constructive feedback. But you know, when you guys take the feedback and you're doing what you you need to do, we'll we'll shout you out for it. So Enrique, duh. But yes, you are the unsung. You are the breakout star. You are the unsung hero today. Because you did the work, you know? That's all we're asking. Just do the work and we will 
shout you out. <laughs> Period point blank done. <laughs> so, Jocelyn, where can they find us on Instagram if they want to connect with us? Tell us well, uh, all about the WNBA and their individual experiences. Yes, you can find us on IG at Beyond the Bleachers underscore. Come on down. Tell us what you think about the WNBA so far. Who do y'all got as being a big contender in the playoffs when they come, when they get here? Who's your favorite team currently in the second half of the season? What do you think the Aces might need to do a little different? What do you think that the Wings need to keep doing the same? You know, like, whatever you guys have to say, we want to hear from you. Let's let's get the discourse going. Let's have the dialogue. We definitely love hearing from you guys. Definitely. And <laughs> I, I was reluctant to say this, but Uh-oh. now that we're getting a little bit more comfortable, I have to let the people know that there is a Twitter page. <laughs> You could go on B, the letter B, the B, letter B again, underscore pod on Twitter to connect with us. We're still working out the kinks. And go on there and troll Jocelyn and tell her that she needs to get her butt on Twitter more. (laughs) It's not Twitter no more. Whatever it's called. We're calling it Twitter, okay? Because what are tweets anyway? They're tweets. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Only posts and reposts now. <laughs> we'll troll Jocelyn on X because Twitter has all the tea and Instagram finds out the next day. <laughs> I'm always a day late and a dollar short. But you know what? Keep trolling. Y'all troll me. I'm not going to say nothing because I'm not going to be on there. <laughs> oh, I'm going to put you on there. I'm going to send you the screenshots. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever then. Fine. Be that way. Go on and show me whatever y'all got to do. Just follow the page. (laughs) (laughs) And on that one, it's been another great episode. Absolutely. And Jocelyn, I'll catch you in the next one. Catch you on the next one later. Bye.